Well, thank you very much, Roger. Good morning to you. Good morning, world, as we come your way, uh, which we do every Saturday morning at this time, to talk about the most basic and important industry on the planet, producing food for you and me. And, of course, our farmers and ranchers go beyond producing just food. We now produce uh, timber for homes, and we produce fuel for your automobile with ethanol and all of that. So I know I'm biased, I'm prejudiced, but I still can't think of any other industry that's more important to the well-being of the planet than those folks who put up with the daily risks of government, trade, and weather situations to produce that food. So good morning to all of you wherever you are in the world here this morning. And uh, we're going to be talking markets a little bit later with Brian Basting of Advanced Trading in Bloomington, Illinois. He'll be sitting down with Max in the studio to talk about that. But uh, just about every weekend during the summer, we ask Jim Fazell to stop by and visit with us. And with summer now officially here, it'll be vacation time for a lot of people. And Jim has some ideas on what you should do with your lawn and your garden and your house if you're going to be away for a week or two on vacation. So we'll... Join Jim and that advice when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. Summer arrived, and so did Jim Fazell, who joins us here on the Saturday Morning Show. And do you think it really is summer, Jim? Well, time will tell. Uh, definitely, I think summer's here, though we're going to have a nice weekend for once. Temperature's going to be up probably near normal the first summer weekend. You know, I can recall past years when we had a spring similar to what we've had here, and when the first day of summer came, suddenly it was summer. And I remember 1955. I don't know if many of you folks listening remember that year, but it turned out after a cold, miserable spring to be one of the hottest summers we ever had. So you never know until it gets here. But you know what I guys, remember about uh, 1955, the year of the polio epidemic. You didn't dare go anywhere because you might get polio. So. That's, yeah, what a time we lived in then. We made it through it. Yes, we anyway, did. Anyway, summer's here. It's vacation time. Historically, uh, when my kids were growing up, they got out of school for this week, so we headed out on vacation the last full week of June, first week week of July. But there's things, some things to remember, uh, preparations that you need to make going on vacation. You know, I've in the past made myself a list. So, in fact, I've got it in my computer so that when we leave, uh, we can go do the checklist to make sure we haven't forgotten anything like turning off the, the teapot on the stove. But anyway, um, that's some things you need to take care of in your garden as well. Uh, your plantings need to go on vacation, and they need to be taken care of while you're gone. If you're going to be gone a week, uh, one of the things we have to worry about, nature does not water the house plants. Stuff indoors needs particular care. If you're going to be gone a week, you need to soak those plants thoroughly before you leave. Uh, if your house tends to be warmer, if they're in a spot where the sun shines on them, move them to a cool place, a shaded part of the house where they'll be somewhat protected. They should be just fine for a week. Now, if you're going to be gone two weeks, water the plants thoroughly. Uh, but some plants are going to dry out more quickly, so they will be dry by the time you get back unless you take some particular care of them. One of the things you could do is to set them in the bathtub with just a little bit of shallow water because they will take it up by capillarity, and that will keep them from drying 
coming up. Or there are wick watering systems that you can buy at garden centers that will allow you to to put wicks and wicks into each one of the pots so that these plants will soak up water while you're gone. Now, if you're going to be gone longer, and some of us are actually gone sometimes three, four weeks uh, in the summertime, you really need to arrange for someone to come in and take care of your plants. Uh, you need to show them how you do that um, how things are done, maybe even let them do practicing watering so that they are per- perfectly familiar with how you do that and how you want it done. Garden plants outdoors, you need to take care of them before you leave. One of the things that we we need to do before we leave is to weed the garden thoroughly. It doesn't matter if you're going to be gone a few days, a week, or a month. It seems like those crazy weeds come up and they're by the time you get back, they're huge. Uh, so you do need to weed thoroughly, get the garden clean before you leave. Uh, if you have a susceptible plants, especially if you've had some of the um, wet weather that we've had now, you need to use some fungicide on the susceptible ones, bug killer on those plants that bugs will eat if that's necessary. And certainly this year, a thing that is necessary is snail bait. With the wet weather that we've had, we have a large population of snails that are going to eat the things that they like unless you put some snail bait out to protect them. If you have produce already coming along, pick it before you leave or have some come, come in, someone come in and pick the things that are ripening while you're gone. Cut back your annuals, give them a haircut. Uh, remove the foliage from your spring bulbs, by the way, if you haven't done that already. I haven't, and I need to go out and do that. Uh, Stake and, ta- uh, and tie the tall plants that you have in your garden so they're not going to fall over if we have storms while you're gone. Uh, remove the spent blooms from things that are already done flowering, like the flowering shrubs and the peonies and so forth. Uh, outdoor container gardens need to be watered thoroughly, and there definitely you need to have a neighbor check with them to make sure that they don't dry out while you're gone. The lawn needs to be mowed and edged before you leave so it looks nice and neat. Now, normally a week, being gone a week is not going to mean the grass is going to grow too far and probably might look a little shabby when you're home, but still there'll be plenty of time to mow it. Um, now, if you're going to be gone for an extended time, you probably need someone to come in and water, or, excuse me, to cut your grass. Um, if, if you have the neighborhood kid come and do that, you probably need to show him how to do it. Have that person come over and cut your grass once and edge so that the, that person isn't uh, unfamiliar with how you want it done and hoping that uh, the job is done the way you want it. Make sure it's done the way you want it by having that person trained to do it. Water everything well. Water your lawn well if we don't have rain or if rain is not predicted. And if we have an extended dry period coming along, arrange for somebody to come in and water your lawn. Uh, show the person how to turn the system on and how to turn it off. Another thing we don't think about too often, and this this comes to mind because uh, we have a neighbor down the street that we that we uh, uh, know very well has pets, uh, cats in particular. Uh, cats are real easy on vacations because they can stay a week or so if they're visited every day by somebody to feed and water them and to clean the litter box. Uh, the cats uh, like somebody to come in and play with them most of the time, particularly if they know the person. Same thing with dogs. Actually, dogs are going to suffer and somebody, unless somebody comes in and walks them a couple of times a day. And a lot of dogs are going to suffer separation anxiety. Uh, if the dog is familiar with a person that's coming in, uh, you know that you know that the, the tail's going to be wagging when you arrive. And again, make sure that that dog knows the person and knows the routine, or that the person knows the dog and knows the routine, so that 
that uh, the dog isn't going to really suffer while you're gone. Uh, best thing to do with the dogs, if you can, is take them while you go. And we always did that. We had places to go that that uh, would allow us to bring the dogs because they were well trained, or have a friend take the dog home for vacation. The dog likes vacations too, and if it's familiar that with the house that it's going to, it'll have a good time. As for the house, it's con- uh, uh, concerns for the house itself. Be sure that you stop your papers, stop your mail, or have it picked up or taken in. Turn down your water heater. Set your air conditioner to 78. Uh, set up your timer lights, including outside lights if possible. Uh, by the way, uh, the power outages do occur if we have big storms in the summertime, so have somebody around watching. And if we have a power outage, make sure that the person can go in and reset your timers on your lights if needed. Uh, motion detector lights, they don't have to be reset because they are on all the time and don't run unless somebody's there. Then make sure all your doors and windows are locked um, uh, and, and set your alarm. Um, Locking the doors. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up here in Chicago 75 years ago, just about. We never locked our back door. Different different world that we live in now, so make sure that your place is secure, including the garage. And then leave your phone numbers with a neighbor or with the police so that somebody knows where you are while you're gone, when you're going to be back. Then you can relax knowing everything is in good shape, all is well, and you can enjoy your time away. Indeed you can. Any uh, problem with the water in the basement with some of those heavy rains that hit us in the past uh, week or so? We did not because we have an overhead sewer that we bit the bullet and put that in because we began to get flooding. Uh, Areas have changed. The great big houses that are being built uh, cover a lot more land than they used to, so there's a lot more flooding. Now, I know neighbors that have not put in overhead sewers have had flooding as much as three feet in the basements in our particular neighborhood. So it's a real problem. That's not just here. It's all over the Chicagoland area, especially folks uh, along the rivers, the Fox River, the Plains River, even some along the Chicago River. There's been flooding and uh, in basements. Uh, if you if you have flooding going on, you need to put some kind of a check to make sure that the water doesn't back up through the sewer system, and that's the problem that we had. And if you have water coming in through windows or doors, you need to regrade your property somehow or another so that that doesn't happen, because it's disastrous when it does. Well, lots of good advice. I hope everybody can uh, get away for a vacation time, and if they do, then follow your advice. So, And you'll be well away maybe a few weekends that you won't be joining us here on the show, but we look forward to having you whenever you can. I'll be here most of the time, Ori, and it'll be a spur-of-the-moment thing if we have to get away. Otherwise, just plan on us being here every week. I enjoy it. All right. Have a good week. That's our visit weekly with Jim Fazell, who is our specialist in ornamental horticulture here on the Saturday Morning Show. And we're at uh, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock on this uh, first full day of summer. It arrived yesterday uh, before noon, but here we are, and it's a dry morning so far, at least here in the Chicago area. Some rainy activity in other parts of the Midwest, but uh, 
kind of an unusual start to the weekend because it seems like it's rained every weekend uh, during the spring season. And uh, I've spent a lot of time talking to farmers and market analysts over the past month or so, asking if they have ever in their lifetime seen a weekend or a, uh, a springtime planting season such as we've had this year. And uh, not one has said... uh, can't remember a worse planting season than we've seen so far. So it'll be interesting to watch the growing season and to see what happens. And right now we uh, get an update on where we stand at the end of this week as Max Armstrong checks in on the Saturday morning show. Here we are with our first field check-in from the folks at BASF here in the summer in the summer of 2019, Kurt Martins, you drive out across the countryside and uh, many of the areas you look out there and you think, yeah, it looks pretty good for mid-May. Exactly. However, it's June 21st. <laughs> and you don't have to remind a farmer of that, to be sure. The rains just keep on coming through uh, much of our Midwest listening area, and it really does continue to pose challenges, doesn't it? It sure does, and uh, there's a lot to be done in the fields right now. Uh, I'm really, you know, everything is really happening right now. Uh, we, you know, most areas have got the crop in now. Uh, there's a lot of spraying going on, a lot of side dressing. I mean, it's 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 happening. It's it's go time right now. There were quite a few growers that didn't get a pre-emerge herbicide on, correct? Simply because they were uh, hustling to get something done, get some seed in. Correct. The, the priority was to get the crop in. And now we have to deal with the weeds, and that is very important. Number one on my list right now when I talk to growers is get after those weeds. If you're letting them compete with the crop from emergence, we're losing 1% yield per day, both in corn and soybeans, right? And we don't want to lose any more yield potential right now. So number one, I'm telling guys, get after those weeds. I guess the wind hasn't been our friend either, has it, when you stop to think about it many of these days? That's also been playing in. Obviously, the weather. We've got some rain again here today. So our windows have been smaller. So second, I've been telling guys is when you make your trip, you may be having to go out a little bit earlier than you want to. So therefore, we want to put in another residual in with our post-trip, both corn and soybeans, to extend our residual to get us to canopy. We're finally going to get some heat, it looks like, in the forecast. So things are going to grow very fast. But, again, we've also got rain in the forecast. So, again, we're working with narrow windows. So we need to be, be looking at that and planning accordingly. What kind of accommodations do you like to see growers using? For adding residual of the corn post trip, I'm recommending Armazon Pro or status with the addition of some residual with it. And then on the soybean side, we can play a lot of different combinations. If they're dicamba beans, we're talking about Ingenia plus Outlook Residua. If we're looking at Liberty Link beans, we're adding, you know, we're taking mixing Liberty plus Outlook or Liberty plus Residua. And so those are some great options for those traded beans. What else comes to mind? What are you hearing from producers right now out there? So I'm also starting to see some, some insect activity, especially in soybeans. Something the guys uh, maybe a little bit more in the east in Illinois, uh, eastern Iowa, and in Illinois, you need to be looking at. We're seeing an uh, insect pest called thistle caterpillar move up from the south and the west. So guys in western Iowa, central Iowa, now eastern Iowa are starting to see this guy show up. They're going to feed on the leaves. And our threshold for those is 30% defoliation while we're in the vegetative stage. 
or 20% defoliation in the reproductive stages. Also on insects, on soybeans again, some of the, the earliest planted soybeans are getting hit hard with being leaf beetles. And again, they're going to be feeding on the leaves and defoliating and, and the same percentages for thresholds apply to them as well. 30% vegetative growth, uh, 20% defoliation during reproductive stages. So what you're saying is growers need to be doing some scouting or having someone out there scouting for them. They definitely need to be scouting because something that's on my radar that not a lot of people are paying attention to are diseases. So if we go back to 2015 and 2016, the first northern corn leaf blight I found in western Illinois and southeast Iowa showed up on the week of June 20th. Well, look where we're at, Max. That's where we're at. So the, some of the earliest planted corn guys need to be looking at because we have had optimal conditions of cool and wet weather to get the northern corn leaf blight going. We appreciate the guidance, Kurt. We'll check in with you again in a week. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Max. Kurt Martin's BASF Technical Service Representative. At 26 minutes after 5 o'clock, 58 degrees at O'Hare, 58 degrees on my thermometer in the backyard here in Huntley, Illinois, in McHenry County, where uh, driving around the county, you still see a lot of ponding in the fields, and you know that they will not get planted for this crop year. So let's maybe talk about something a little more fun. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard about the Great Iowa Tractor Ride. It's been going on for a couple of decades now where farmers uh, get on a tractor caravan with their tractor and drive across the state. Well, it's coming up tomorrow and on Monday when they'll get underway with it. And the interesting note this year, Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue will be in Iowa tomorrow, June 23rd, and Monday, June 24th. He will participate in the Great Iowa Tractor Ride. Tomorrow, he will speak at the Great Iowa Tractor Ride kickoff dinner. Then on Monday, the secretary will drive his very own International 656 Farmall Tractor in the Iowa Ride. The secretary's father, George Ernie Purdue Jr., purchased the Farmall New in 1968 and uh, used on the family farm in Bonaire for uh, many years by Ernie and uh, Secretary Purdue. The tractor was fully restored by friends in 2010, and he'll be in Iowa to drive that tractor that he grew up on in the great Iowa tractor ride. I just hope they get good weather because uh, there are times when rain or shine, it happens, and if it's raining, you know what happens with that. So uh, we'll watch with interest the progress of that tractor ride with Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue. And, of course, uh, we're approaching the end of June Dairy Month, but there are still 
many June Dairy Month breakfasts on the farm scheduled in the state of Wisconsin particularly, and there is uh, an event for dairying uh, scheduled here in Illinois. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the program this morning. But uh, enjoy a glass of milk, and my favorite line for June Dairy Month is take a kind of lunch. Say thank you for providing us with all of the good nutrition of dairy products. So a lot going on, and uh, as you just heard with Max's guest, a lot to do in the fields yet, despite the lateness of the planting, or maybe because of the lateness of the planting, and so we'll keep an eye on all of that. And here on the Saturday morning show, we're going to take a break before Max comes back to talk to Brian Basting of Advanced Trading about markets. And uh, we'll uh, take a break for the news headlines. And he's still around, uh, probably eating breakfast, I'm not sure. But with the news at 5.30 on Chicago's very own 720 WGN Chicago, again, here's Roger. Nine minutes before six o'clock, temperature about 58 degrees, and there is rain this morning, but mainly south of the Chicago area, moving across the central part of Illinois. So we'll keep an eye on that, because it would be an unusual day if we didn't get rain somewhere in the Midwest, because that's been the pattern so far this spring. Yesterday, USDA issued its monthly cattle on feed report. The report showed a total inventory of 11,700,000 head for the United States on the 1st of June. The increase of 1.6%, slightly above average expectations. Most industry analysts were predicting a year-over-year increase in feedlot inventories of 1.3%. And as usual, Texas, Nebraska, and Kansas lead the way in total fed cattle numbers, accounting for just under 7.7 million head. That's approximately two-thirds of the total on feed inventory in the country. And some up-and-down numbers in some of the cattle states uh, recorded in that report yesterday. The biggest percentage increase year-over-year occurred in Idaho, where they uh, saw a 16% increase in the number of cattle on feed. And uh, then also uh, we take a look at uh, California, a 2% increase uh, Arizona with a 4% increase, Texas with a 5% increase. That's over a year ago. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to those numbers on Monday when trading will open. On the calendar, today is the day of the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association annual summer tour. And uh, they were asking for pre-registration on that one, but let me mention the uh, three operations that will be on the tour because uh, they all are in southwestern Wisconsin, two of them in Vernon County, which is my home county where I grew up. And the tour today will be at Rush Creek Ranch in Baroqua, Wood Hill Farms in Baroqua, and the Spring Creek's 
Cattle Company in Wazika. That's in southwestern Wisconsin. And buses will be available at Boscobel and Baroqua, Wisconsin, for attendees to ride. And as I said, they were asking for pre-registration. But uh, let me give you the website in case you want to check it out and uh, join the Wisconsin Cattlemen for that. Simply go to www.wisconsincattlemen.com. As I mentioned earlier, it's... uh, uh, June Dairy Month, and uh, still some June Dairy Month breakfasts on the farm scheduled for Wisconsin in particular. We uh, used to do them here in McHenry County on the uh, Drendel Farm, but uh, they have gone out of the dairy business. But I do want to talk about an event on Saturday, June 29th, a week from today, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. The Lenkaitis family is opening their barn doors to the general public on Saturday, June 29th. You'll have the unique opportunity to meet a farm family using technology to produce fresh milk. And uh, the family uh, said it hopes to serve as an opportunity for those attending to learn about the people and the dairy cows behind the nutritious milk and dairy foods we all enjoy. That's from Andy Lenkaitis, part owner and operator of the dairy farm. And uh, the farm was purchased by the family in 1983, started with just five cows, The newest barn on the farmstead was built in 2018, housing two robotic milking units. And Andy went on to say, on a traditional dairy farm, all of the cows are milked twice or three times a day by people. But with robotic milkers, the cows decide when they want to be milked, and they're able to do it. Look, Ma, no hands. Now, besides the cows, visitors will also see tractors and other equipment used to grow and harvest crops. The Lenkaitis family grows corn, alfalfa, oats, and small grains primarily used to feed the animals on the dairy farm. Uh, But make note of this. You can enjoy your afternoon of fun at the farm with a scoop of ice cream in hand. A donation of $2 will be collected for a serving of ice cream and your choice of toppings. All proceeds support the 10,000-gallon milk challenge, which aims to support the dairy industry and neighbors in need by providing 10,000 gallons of milk to area food pantries and the Northern Illinois Food Bank. So that tour takes place on June 29th, and that's uh, near St. Charles in Kane County. So there's your chance close into the Chicago area to get out and visit a dairy farm and see how they do take care of their animals, despite some of the stories that we've been getting recently. Uh, One other thing, I like this about the Commodity Classic. Boy, they plan ahead. And so if you want to plan ahead for 2020, the Commodity Classic will be held in San Antonio, Texas, Thursday, February 27 through Saturday, February 29. 
Commodity Classic, America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience, combining a heavy schedule of educational sessions, a huge trade show, and uh, giving you the opportunity to talk to production experts, hoping that maybe next spring planting season will be a little drier. So those are some of the things coming up uh, nearby and uh, in the distant future. As we look at our closing markets on Friday, a red screen for both grain and livestock. The July wheat contract ended yesterday down half a cent a bushel at 526. July corn dropped six and a half cents a bushel yesterday to close the week at 443 and a half. Soybeans, the July contract down 12 cents yesterday to end the week at $9.3 and a half cents a bushel. Things weren't any better in the livestock futures trade at the Mercantile Exchange. Both the August and October lean hog contracts were down the $3 daily limit. With that put, uh, August lean hogs, $77.90 a hundredweight. The August live cattle contract lost a dollar twenty-five cents yesterday, ending the week at a hundred two dollars twenty-two cents, and August feeder cattle down eighty-two cents for the week, ending at a hundred thirty-three dollars and sixty-seven cents a hundredweight. And finally, one more reminder for this uh, weekend, the first weekend of summer. A lot of farmers' markets will be open today in various communities across uh, the Midwest, really. Farmers' markets have become very popular, and I hope you'll take advantage of the opportunity to buy the freshest produce you can get and also to talk to farmers to hear some of the challenges they've been facing this spring. So get out and support your local farmer's market. And that's our time here on the Saturday Morning Show. As always, we thank Bob Ferguson, our engineer. We thank you for listening and joining Max Armstrong and me here on 720. Win the ultimate White Sox family reunion. Just listen to the Brocon Show with Anna DeBlantis weekday afternoons at 540 on 720 WGN Chicago. If you're a smart speaker user, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. Have a good weekend. Have a good week. And uh, back to Roger for an update on news.